Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. We are back and Christian is still pregnant at this point. I I knew this was going to come up. I was like, we obviously pre-record and I'm still pregnant now. But when you're listening to this, I definitely won't be. Yeah, definitely won't be. This will come out like mid-February. I was thinking about it though this morning because I think I'm the last thing. I was like, oh, when you're listening to this, Christian definitely will not be pregnant anymore. And then I'm like, wait, we're recording on the 5th of January. So yeah, here we are. But yes, I am for sure still pregnant. And that's okay. Yes. I really honestly today was, I mean, we obviously set to record today. Mm -hmm. And this week, you were making fun of me earlier. I was working early on my email today and honestly sent my team probably like seven emails Mm -hmm. all in a row about different things. Just being like, hey, kind of like a Hail Mary of like, if I'm out next week, this is it. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like this may be the last hurrah for a little bit. Okay. But I feel like you've been saying that though for like a few weeks, like, like you've had that feeling every, every single day. day I've yeah. had to at work, especially I've had to yeah. like finish everything out, pass it mm-hmm. along to the people and be like, hey, here's the baton if I'm not here tomorrow. And every single day I'm like, I'm picking it back up. Yeah. Because it's annoying. Yes. You know, but at this point, tomorrow I'll be 39 weeks. That's exciting. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's you exciting. Know. It could be but, any day now. Yes. So we were talking this morning, we were recording kind of in a new set and setup. So it's kind of fun, but I can't see. And you've never worn contacts, guys. No. Let's hear about this from Samantha Miller. She has 20 Did vision. you not know that She's about perfect me? in all things. Did you really think I wore contacts? No, I knew you didn't wear contacts. I just never thought through like, wow, you never wear glasses and you don't wear contacts. Oh, she has like good vision. Like, I've never thought it yeah. through all the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't wear... Gla- I mean, I think if you wear glasses, like, that doesn't change. You either, like, wear them or you don't, right? Like, Are you saying people who wear glasses, like, you're, like, less than? Because it's, like... <laughs> no, what? <laughs> you were like... I just thought you said it in a way that, like, my vision would have, like, improved over time. Like, you said you've never oh. worn them. And I'm like, yeah, well, like, like... I've never seen you wear them. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. And I've never thought through, like, oh, you yeah. have good vision. I had perfect 2020 vision until the last year of my corporate job. And in my corporate job, I literally looked at spreadsheets like all day Mm -hmm. long. Like that's what I did was crunch numbers. And I remember going to the doctor one day and I'm like, "Hmm," you know, my annual eye appointment. And they were like, your vision's not good anymore. Like what happened? And I'm like, well, I got a new job at my work and this is now what I do all day. They were like, that totally messed your eyes up. Wow. And then I remember putting in contacts for the first time and I was like, wow, the leaves on trees are so crisp. Wow, that's sad. Like I would look at a tree and I never thought, oh, I can't really tell the leaves. Like the color? Like, I can't really see the difference of the leaves. Like oh, the branch just looks like it's like colored with green. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, you can see individual leaves. That's sad. That's how my husband, I was telling her my husband has vision where he definitely needs to be wearing contacts or glasses every day, but he just doesn't. So sometimes I'm like, what do you see? Like, it's yeah. kind of sad. Do your Honestly, parents wear glasses? Yes, both of them now do, but they haven't their whole life. Like, I think it was like middle age. Like, I remember both my parents getting glasses. Yeah, my mom just now started wearing reading glasses. My dad wears reading glasses. Yeah, I mean, like, what is my eyesight going to be like when I'm 75 years old? Yeah, what about your siblings? Where are they at in the eye health? My oldest brother, he has had glasses from a young age. My sister had glasses at a young age. Oh. My other sister, nothing. And my other brother, nothing. Why do I visualize you in glasses <laughs> as a child? Like, I swear I've seen a picture of you in glasses. I don't know, but honestly, something. let's talk about a three year old with glasses because so Ooh. cute. 
Well, I'm just saying like oh, kids, like young toddlers with so glasses cute. are so cute. I know that's insensitive because like if that was your child, you would just be sad that you had to like launch into that. I think I've had friends who have had that yeah. happen and it's like, oh, you don't want to hear that your three-year-old's vision yeah. is not where it needs to be. Yes. Like that's concerned. That's sad. Yes. So we're being sensitive to that. Yes. But we like, are being sensitive. <laughs> so I'm saying the accessory of the glasses are really, really cute. cute. They like wrap around their little yeah. head. Yeah. And they're just like so darling. You know what's wild? You'll know this, but people listening who maybe don't have kids or older kids won't know the way they check eyesight at the pediatrician <laughs> is like they put you in the room where they're checking the weight and height and they <laughs> turn off the lights and they're just like, James, my 18-month-old had to do it a few weeks ago. And they're like, James, James. And he just looks at the camera and it's an app and they click a button and it determines whether they are at risk for eyesight issues. Yeah. It is kind of concerning or like weird how we think about things like eyesight or things that really don't matter. Like there's glasses. Sure, it's annoying that you have to wear contacts, whatever. But there is this weird like pride that comes with like, I have perfect vision or like, oh, if people yeah. need glasses. It's such a like, oh, I need glasses. And again, I get it. But I've heard people be like, yeah, my eyesight's just getting so bad. I need reading glasses. And oh, yeah. No, this is literally when I was at my old job. I remember coming back from this eye appointment. I was mm-hmm. like, my eyes are like so messed up. And I subconsciously was carrying this pride of like, I have perfect vision. Mm-hmm. And then I remember talking. I had this man on my team. He was like 68 years old very not in great health for Mm -hmm. a lot of like different reasons. And he literally told me, he's like, I remember the first thing was my eyesight in like an aging sense. Mm -hmm. I was like 55 Mm -hmm. and it was the first thing to go. And I was like, I remembered being like, wow, this is aging. And I remember them like really taking that in. And I was like, well, you're like, I'm I'm 26 or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was like, oh, wow, I'm aging. And like, it is a sign of like, your body is not, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. in perfect condition. Obviously none of us are. But it is a weird thing. Yeah. Because there are so many things to change. Yeah. We expect like perfect health. And so it's just I was talking to someone the other day who got laser eye, Mm -hmm. whatever, repair. LASIK. LASIK. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. And she like loves it. She's like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm like, would I ever try that? It's only for certain vision, though. I know. I don't think you can do it if you have astigmatism, maybe. I think and that's I have one. correct. Yeah, most of my family members who Sad. wear glasses, like my in-laws, like have all done LASIK. Because I'm like, that's cool. I would yeah. try that. But yeah. I don't think I can. Mm-hmm. So sad. Well, but you have perfect vision. So I wonder how long it'll stay. I don't know. Stay off your phone at night. Turn on lamps when you watch TV. My mom that's always told me that growing up. I already like, kind of do no. that. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you're practicing safe eye care. One thing that I did think about the other day that I was noticing in myself I've heard it said before, like, not that we harp on this or care a ton or put a lot of weight into this, but I've heard people say you can tell the age of someone, not these days necessarily by their face, but by their hands. Oh, yeah. And I looked down at my hands the other day and I was like, my hands are starting to look older, you know? Have you seen my hands? My hands are like so wrinkly and old. Like, hands are low-key hideous. (laughs) Have you noticed that? I actually do think it's very weird. Sometimes I look at like a body part, like a hand, and I'm like, isn't it weird that we have an appendage off our body that has a little nub okay. and then like little sticks this come from you. that nub. This is you. And the nails are at the end of that nub. And like if we were animals, we'd like, <laughs> those would be like our little claws. Oh. Am I so weird? But I think through these things. Yeah. Like, I've never weird. thought like, oh, if I was an like, animal, that is weird. these would be my claws. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I really do have these thoughts because I'm like, crazy. that's just so weird. I have a friend, Casey Jepson. She is my roommate back from in college. And we always make fun of her. She asks questions like that. Interesting. She's like, isn't bark on trees weird? 
Like she'll just randomly come up with these things. I'm like, that is actually really weird. If you it think is about weird. It. But I don't know. I've never thought about our now nails you guys being have claws. What? Well, that's been like a common thing. Like, look at my new claws. Yeah, but I've never you know? thought like, okay, our nails <laughs> naturally, like we shape them into a sharper thing. Our nail yes. beds, like we do not use them for anything. Yes. Well, guys, please chime in <laughs> if you've also thought the same thing, because now Samantha's just like, she's a weirdo. I wonder if the cavemen would go and file their nails down on like rocks. Well, I'm sure, because they probably actually had to like do useful things with their nails. And they, what? I don't know, like pick things out, like bugs out of tree logs and stuff. Ew, I'm just getting you know? grossed out. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's our cue to jump into the episode. We are chatting today about kind of a phrase that we hear a lot in Christian context, and it is hate the sin, love the sinner. And Christian and I both prepped for this episode. We haven't really discussed like which direction or what research we each found about this phrase. And so we wanted to break it down. Is it biblical? What does that mean? What does it look like? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because you hear this a lot. I think it's a phrase that's kind of thrown around a lot by pastors, by people in faith culture. And so I think it's interesting because even in my opinion, yeah, we've not even really talked about this. I think some of it can be very truthful and biblical. I think some of it then can be really skewed to not be that. Mm -hmm. I think the intention or thought behind it is how do we love people who are broken? Mm -hmm. Which I just want to start off there like we are talking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. How do we love people like us? We are all broken. We're all faulty humans. We all hurt people. We all sin. Mm -hmm. And so really, I think when I was planning for the episode and just preparing, I thought, wow, I really want to have this conversation in the mindset like this is me. Mm -hmm. You know, how do people love me when I'm a hard person Mm -hmm. to love? Because I think that's the intention behind the saying, but it can easily be skewed. Well, yeah, that's where I got to with it all, like in the meaning and the purest form. But I kind of want to go back like it's laughable because I really think the hate the sin, love the sinner should be just like not a phrase used because I did some research and it's actually, there's nothing similar to that found in scripture. Now you can take things and infer like God hates sin, he hates wicked, things like that, but he also loves people. So when you look at this quote, most often it is used in like a condescending way. Like, well, I hate the sin, but don't worry. Like I love the person still. Like I love the sinner. And it's hate like, the well, sin, love the sinner. Usually you're not having to talk about that or like make that differentiation unless you're like being judgmental or hypercritical about choices or whatever. And usually not on yourself, which is like what I wanted to harp on too. Like how are we evaluating our own sin? But interestingly enough, do you know who coined that phrase? No, who? It's nothing to do with the Christian sphere at all. Who? Gandhi. Gandhi quoted this for the first time. So it's a good lesson for us all that sometimes these like Christian isms that are thrown around Mm -hmm. that aren't super biblical, but sound really good. That didn't even have Christian roots to it. So like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, like there are some good things we can take away from it and like thoughts from it. But in itself, it's been used in our culture almost as like, I have an excuse to be hateful towards this person because I hate mm-hmm. the sin. Don't worry. I still love them as a person, but like, I can't support what they're doing or how they're choosing to live. So I just thought it was interesting before we like jump into yeah. everything. Well, I think it's interesting when I thought about it for myself. Like when have I heard this said around mm-hmm. me? I don't think I've probably ever like said mm-hmm. this phrase really. It's just, is not normal for me, mm-hmm. but I think I've probably thought it for mm-hmm. sure. And it's like in those instances, what have I thought? And I do think The biggest issue, heart issue, is that when you are saying this or when you're thinking it, it's actually rooted out of a ton of pride Mm -hmm. and righteousness that we are 
not perfect people. Mm -hmm. We obviously are sinful. And so that's why I was just like, I think we need to be very weary of coining a phrase like that or owning it for ourselves or saying like, oh, that's a fine thing to Mm -hmm. say. Because no, it's actually really putting you in a place that you are not meant to be, that it's probably full of pride. It's full of, again, just righteousness, thinking that you are better than someone or something. In all reality, we really need like more of a gut check on that. For sure. No, that's really good. I, again, was doing some research and I saw something interesting, like how we say like, well, we hate the sin, love the sinner. Well, if we really are trying to relate it biblically at all, it's God that should be in that position. So like, yes, we hate sin on a practical level. Like we are to hate sin as God does. But really that should be, John Piper said in an interview, it should be God loves the sinner and hates the sin. So like it should be kind of switched in that way. And like God should be in that place, not necessarily us getting to determine because again, it's usually coming from a prideful place. It just gets messy, I think, when we put that on other people in that way. And even to make it a tiny bit messier, in the Bible, we don't see God judging sin. He judges people who sin, Mm -hmm. which is a little more complicated too, because Mm -hmm. we are told what is sin, what is not. And Mm we are told that we will be judged on our sin. But he is looking at our hearts. He is looking internally. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where we also need to be careful of how we say that because it's really not that. But the Bible is very clear. I mean, in James 1, 5, it talks about sin leads to death. Mm -hmm. That we are, you know, Ephesians 4, 15 was another one of speaking truth and love. Like we are called to point out sin, to fight against sin, that sin is very clear of like, God does not want us to live in Mm -hmm. sin. And so I think that's where this phrase gets a little messy because it's, yeah, I think we like to cling to isms of just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's an easy phrase to just be like, yep, I can live by that one or a mantra. But it's not as easy as that because, mm-hmm. yes, we don't want to take the place of God. But how are we to respond in life when sin is occurring in us or around us? Yeah, I think the number one thing, and you just said it, is looking inward. If you tend to be someone that feels like you're constantly having to look at oh, how do I talk to my friend about this sinful pattern? How do I pull away from a friend group that's being really sinful? How do I call out sin to my parents? If you're just constantly looking at like, how do I handle conversations of sin with others, but very rarely looking at your own life and Mm -hmm. saying, where am I tending to sin? Where am I blind to certain habits in my life that are probably not honoring or pleasing to God? Because if we know sin is anything that doesn't glorify or honor God, then we really have to be critical of our own lives. And the more that I look inward in that way, the less time I honestly have to look out at the world around me and say mm-hmm. like, sin, 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 sin. Say it again for the people at the back, Samantha. Well, I'm just saying in a healthy place, that's where I am. Yeah. That's not my norm. Normally yep. we're looking at, it's such a sinful world. These people around me are so sinful, but it's like, what about ourselves? And mm-hmm. again, please don't hear me say that we should be brokenhearted about the sin we see in the world. And we should have friendships and relationships where we can bring sin to them and say like, hey, I've seen this happening in your life. You say you want to live this way, but I'm seeing this. Like, can we just chat? Like, where's your heart at? Where's your thoughts at? That's appropriate and okay in certain relationships. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, I think if we spent more time evaluating our own sin in our heart, we would feel the need to do it a lot less about others. Oh, yeah. Even when I was reading some, especially through James, like James talks a lot about. Love James, my favorite book in the Bible. Yeah, the depth of the rootedness of how sin takes Mm -hmm. a hold in your life. It is bad. It is ugly. It is not good. And the Bible talks a ton about that. So we don't need to argue that point. Mm -hmm. But I think a good point I was thinking through is that as broken humans, as humans who do Mm -hmm. not do things perfectly like God does, we don't 
love perfectly and mm-hmm. we don't hate perfectly. Right. So when we say God loves the sinner and he hates sin, mm-hmm. those things are true. Yes. But he does that perfectly. Right. And we bring brokenness we into that. We can't comprehend it. Yeah, we yeah. can't comprehend it. So when we, quote unquote, hate sin, we are going to do that in ways that bring pride, probably, mm-hmm. that bring shame, that put guilt on people, yep. that put a lot of things that also like God doesn't mm-hmm. put when he says, no, I hate that sin mm-hmm. so deeply. That sin is death to right. you. So maybe kind of think through like, so how as humans do we hate sin, quote unquote, that we do have to recognize it for what it is. And so I think that's a perfect place to start when looking at ourselves. We do have to be people who say, where am I sinning? How am I sinning? How is what I'm doing or how what I'm thinking or what I'm saying not glorifying God Mm -hmm. and not bringing me closer to him? Like Mm -hmm. that is how you recognize sin. And then we have to refuse to take a part of like running against that. Like We have to take an active step to say, how I hate, quote unquote, my sin is I have to recognize it and then I have to flee from mm-hmm. it. And then I have to like not excuse when that happens again because we're going to be broken people. Right. And so when people say like, how do I hate the sin? Well, I think those are active things that we have to be willing to people to recognize it, to run from it, and then also like repent from that and say like, Lord, I need your help mm-hmm. in not getting caught in this spiral of the tanglement of sin. Yeah. I was thinking of it in a lot of contexts. It's weird. The next episode we're going to record, I feel like actually flows perfectly. I'm like trying not to say too much that I had prepped for that because some of what you're saying, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to use that for this other episode we're going to do. But I was trying to think through when this phrase is used, we already know like the biggest red flag is like, well, you're looking too outward. You should be looking more inward on your sin. But because it is used frequently to say like, well, I know I need to live in this world, but not of it. So like, I want to have this viewpoint of being able to really quickly, like, I do think it's a sign of maturity and just health and knowing God deeply to be able to recognize sinful patterns in the Mm -hmm. world and things you consume and people you're around. And so something I really just kept thinking about, and it sounds so cheesy, is thinking like, I've heard people who struggle with, do I go to this wedding in this type of marriage that like I don't support, like this is taking a turn, like it's getting, it, we're mm-hmm. going there in it. But can I have a close friendship with this person who is completely living outside of the will of God? And like, I've had friends or I've had moments myself where you're kind of thinking through like, where's the line of like in the world, but not of it. And again, it sounds so cheesy, but I really like to go back to scripture and think like, what would Jesus do? So in WWJD. scripture... It really is a good indicator sometimes because I think we put these parameters and boundaries sometimes of like how we can love people in a way that's also going to like remind them of where we stand and like show them Jesus, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I'm laughing because like I do that too. I'm like, well, there's a level of like they need to make sure that they know what I still believe and I don't want them to be confused by that. And caveats like always. So many caveats. There's boundaries. There's for sure things like that. But when you actually look at scripture, Look at the woman at the well. Like a lot of those people, if we were Christians in that time, we could easily be the people that were like, you don't associate with that person. Like Mm -hmm. she's dirty. She's making immoral choices. And he went and met with her and talked with her. What about the tax collectors at his house? That would be like us today dining with really bad political people. People said, why are you dining with these people? Why are you inviting them to eat with you? And he said, look at yourself. Mm -hmm. He said, this is of no Mm -hmm. concern to you because you have enough to worry about. I mean, he literally turned it right back on the internal issue of their heart Mm -hmm. and mind too, pretty much saying, 
hey, like their sin, although it looks different, is no different than your sin. Yeah. Like these things are not glorifying to God. And how I'm going to love her is welcome her, bring her in, care for her, yep. make her feel known and seen. Because obviously she has a problem seeing where she's known and seen. Right. And know? he was able then in that specific story with the woman at the well, he was then able to speak truth to her because she felt so honored and like loved by his presence. She was confused. She was like, why are you talking mm-hmm. to me? Like, you shouldn't be talking to me. And then she was, I'm assuming, really open to listening to what he had to say. And so I like to put it in the context of like, who would that person be in our Christian world that I would say like, you know what, I just wouldn't associate with that person because I don't believe in the way that they're living their life. And I can easily do that. Like, I mean, if I started listing some of those people out, maybe people that go by different sexual identities that I would say, if they asked me point blank, like, Mm -hmm. this is what scripture says, this is how you're living. Well, does that mean that I would turn away a relationship with that person just because I don't believe, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. And here's the thing, you can apply that to a lot of things. But when you really look at his patterns, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. nice to put it like, would I dine with political figures that I can't stand and I think are full of hatred? Like he did. That was mm-hmm. the tax collectors for them. So it's interesting to like put it into that context. Yeah. Well, I've heard it said, it kind of is just reminding me of like something I've heard. And I've like come back to this often because I think I heard a pastor talk about one time of like, you know, the closeness someone is with God or like the intimacy of their relationship with God, mm-hmm. of how they treat people, not the people closest to mm-hmm. them, but people who, and not even the people who are far away from them, but the people who they don't like or yeah. the people who don't like them. The people the, that are most opposite from them. Yes. Or the people who are just like mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put a lot of categories there, but really like, how are we loving people who, if you could think of yourself, put yourself in one bucket and put the extreme opposite person in the other bucket, how am I loving that person? Mm-hmm. How am I displaying Jesus to that person? Yeah. How am I acting like Jesus? How am I being the hands and feet of, quote unquote, the larger church mm-hmm. here to that person? And I think that's convicting to yeah. say, because ultimately what we're talking about is love. Again, we're imperfect, so we don't do this well. Mm-hmm. But when the Bible talks about love, it gives all these things of love is patient and love is kind. In that same verse, it talks about love seeks truth and it doesn't seek unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And so love is being truthful, but love is also patient Mm -hmm. and love is also kind. Those things aren't exclusive. They're all inclusive Mm -hmm. to each other. And so we as broken and messed up people like it to be, well, love is kind and this is going to be the kind thing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, loves truth. Mm -hmm. And so how do you speak truth and kindness at Mm -hmm. the same time? And we as humans often fail to do that. Yeah. And you can't really, I'm not going to like want to hear quote unquote truth from someone who I don't have a relationship with or I don't trust. And so I think we forget that piece a lot of times. Like we just want to spew the what we know. And I've had relationships with people who believe very differently than me. And there's times I've done this. Actually, most times I've done this really wrong. A few times I feel like I've been able to honestly be heard by like when I'm asked point blank, well, what do you believe? And able to say it, but we've built up such a trusting relationship. It's really hard to be offended sometimes when you're like, well, I've seen the patterns of how you've welcomed me, loved me, whatever. And people have done this to me too. And I've always appreciated that. So Mm -hmm. it's just this mixture of both. Well, and I think the argument is always, well, does me loving them say that I approve of that? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to say that very clearly, like, in the Bible, if you read the Bible at mm-hmm. all, you know that love does not equal approving. No. Love has actually nothing to do with mm-hmm. the approval or disapproval of actions. Love mm-hmm. is because we get to love people because they're worthy of loving because they're created by God. Right. That is why we love people. 
And I think, again, we as humans and our brokenness, well, this is right and this is wrong and this is worthy and this is unworthy. Mm-hmm. No, God says all people are worthy, mm-hmm. that I have created all people for my glory. So we get the opportunity through that freedom to just love people. Yeah. And I think we get caught up in the mess of that a lot. Mm-hmm. We have to go through then and see that by loving people, that doesn't mean that we let them remain in sin. And I think, again, I have never done that perfectly, but I can think of one relationship in my life that this is a longtime friend Mm -hmm. of mine. I mean, I think at this point, we've been friends for probably 12 years Mm -hmm. and love her deeply. And because of my love for her and friendship with her, Mm -hmm. we've had some of the best conversations. And what it comes always down to is like, she will now ask for my opinion. She'll say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. And it'll be something like in her lifestyle of how she's living. And normally I can, in a kind way, say like, how do you think it's working for you? And she'll be like, I feel really sad or I feel really down or I feel really broken or that relationship's Mm -hmm. really messy. And I'm like, yeah, because I believe that you're not acting in how God has set it up for you to flourish. And so sadly, like you're sitting in that because like, yeah, you're not flourishing. Mm -hmm. You're not joyfully in this relationship or work situation or conflict with a person because like that is not how it's meant to be. And it's opened up a lot of awesome conversations. Again, never done that perfectly, but it is one of those areas that I'm like, wow, God, I'm so thankful for the ways that you've given me the capacity to talk with this friend about things because now it's opened up really awesome friendship of her getting to know Jesus and see like, oh, that actually transforms how this person's loving me, even though she really disagrees with me in some things. Well, and that's a key part too that we have to mention. Like this is in the context too of other believers because if you are using this to talk about someone who doesn't claim to know God or want to know God at that time or have an intimate relationship with him, then we can't apply certain standards for how their choices are going to live. Like God never said, oh, I'm calling you to love every person except for those people that like aren't following me and make really different choices and have totally different political views than you. He's like, no, I just asked you to love people. And so when we're getting down to this like speaking truth aspect, like Yes, if you're asked, like, what do you believe? Or if there's conversations about belief, but if someone in your life lives completely differently than you, they're not required to like hear input from you about the Christian way to live when like they're not living that way. They don't Mm -hmm. desire to live that way. And Mm -hmm. so you can still speak that, but we can't hold the expectation that people should live that way when they're not following God. Like, why do they need to follow and be obedient to God when they don't believe that that's the right way? And so mm-hmm. that's a distinguishing thing in mm-hmm. my mind too, because I think we often apply like Christian beliefs to people and standards to people that it's like, well, they're not following God. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, they're not going to mm-hmm. think about the world differently. I struggle thinking about the way that God wants me to think about the world. And I do know him. Like, mm-hmm. of course, if I'm living in this world, mm-hmm. not following him as my guide, that's going to skew how I perceive things and how I see the world. And that distinguishing point should, I hope we are all listening to what you just said, that should catapult us and encourage us to say, great, then I'm encouraged to love. I'm exactly. catapulted to love. I want to love that, them even more. Yes, because yeah. like, what do I lose? Mm-hmm. I think that's when I was leaving this conversation, I thought, wow, the best thing I can do is like, I want to be disciplined enough that I think instead, wow, I hate that sin or Mm -hmm. I hate, I mean, I hate that person. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I think that often, but I think subconsciously I do that because I'm like, oh, that person is so messed up or Mm -hmm. like what they're doing is so hurtful or challenging for other people. But I want to instead say that person's worthy of love because God deems them worthy Mm -hmm. of love and then leave it there. I think in a cliche way, just as we kind of wrap up, it made me think of parenting. If Mm -hmm. you're a parent 
you probably understand this. And now I have two toddlers who they are constantly like fighting and bickering with each other. And sinning. And sinning. <laughs> I mean, pure yeah. out sinning. <laughs> if you ever have a question of like, if we are born sinful or not, you just have a kid and then you're like, oh, we're born for sinful. I actually sinful. had a discussion recently with a person that was like, do you really consider a child doing that when they don't know whether or not that's sin, sin? And I'm like, Yes. You're like, when my three-year-old hits my five-year-old and she has seen time and time again that he hurt or like bites. I mean, she bites and breaks skin. Yes. I'm like, oh no, she knows that is hurtful. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she says, I want to hurt him again. And I'm like, that is so messed up. But human condition. Mm -hmm. But I think, obviously it's one thing just to have children, but it's been another thing for me to have two toddlers who very much so like interact and Mm -hmm. fight now with each Mm -hmm. other. And the feeling I have as a parent who unconditionally loves my kids. I mean, I can really confidently be like, there's literally nothing that I could they could say or do that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't love you. Right. I love them yeah. so deeply. And God loves me even more. Mm-hmm. So I have to like wrap my head around, wow, then how God loves mm-hmm. me. But I think when one of my children sins against my other child, I hate that sin so mm-hmm. deeply. This literally happened last night. I hate that sin so deeply. It mm-hmm. makes me enraged in mm-hmm. my body. Enraged? Enraged. <laughs> what I say? Enraged? Enraged. Enraged. It makes me enraged. Mm-hmm. But while hating that sin so deeply, mm-hmm. my love for that child has right. not changed. Right. And I'm a human yeah. doing that to my children. And it made me think, oh, that is how God looks mm-hmm. at me. When I sin towards others, he's like, I hate that so much. And his hate is Mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. But then he's also like, but I love her so much. Mm -hmm. And his love is perfect to me. Yeah. And we can't understand that. No, and we can't understand that. But our job is to then execute that. Mm -hmm. And that's what is hard. He doesn't ask us. said than done. He doesn't ask us to understand it, but he still commands us to love and live that out. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a good conversation. Hopefully it's convicting for you to evaluate in your own life. Maybe if you're someone that frequently says that, just chew on it for a little bit. When we first talked about that saying, I really didn't think anything wrong with it. And then as I was prepping and praying through it, I was like, wait a second, this isn't even biblical. Like this isn't Mm -hmm. even fully rooted in, it's like a lot of things in our culture that are like close to Mm -hmm. biblical truth, but like a little bit off. And of course, just like everything else in our culture too, puts the focus on us getting to like control and pick and choose Mm -hmm. and place blame and shame. And so I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Going back to the word. It's always a good one. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.